Hello and welcome to Kernel of Truth, a podcast about networking infrastructure. I'm Rupa. And I'm Rama. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Ariel Kitt about NVIDIA DPUs. Thanks for joining us on this episode, Ariel. Thank you, Rupa and Rama, for hosting me. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Before we start asking you, Ariel, all additional questions, Rupa, can you just tell us what is a DPU? Yes, sure, Rama. DPU is a data processing unit, essentially a specialized NIC. DPU is its own system. Uh, It's a system inside your server. Think of it like your infrastructure hardware connectivity or host interface for storage, network, or security is now all moved into its own system inside a server. Advantages, you can offload network and storage processing from your host processor, saving CPU cycles, and also isolating storage and network services, infrastructure services, from the host for security reasons. Very much needed for things like in the bare metal cloud. In this episode, we'll be talking about DPU hardware, software, and something called Doka. So Ariel will actually help us demystify some of the details, DPU details, and also what Doka is. Ariel, thank you again for joining us. To begin, let's talk about what makes a DPU. Let's build a story around DPU. There's so much interesting development going on in the world of SmartNICs. We are finding that the definition of SmartNIC can be wide and varying. I have often used actually the word DPU and SmartNIC interchangeably as well in the past, and now I correct myself. To start off, can you explain the basic difference between a SmartNIC, such as a ConnectX 5 or X6, which is a Mellanox SmartNIC, and a DPU, a data processing unit? Sure. First of all, you're right. There is an ongoing transition in the industry to DPUs, which are, as we consider them, the new third pillar of the data center, together with the CPUs and GPUs. And at NVIDIA, we are proud to lead this change and happy that the industry had followed up. You can see that all the major players transitioned to work on DPUs. Now, the major difference is simple. While in the case of a SmartNIC, it can accelerate some of the functionality of the host using sophisticated and programmable accelerators, the networking infrastructure software stack is still running on the host and consume the host CPUs. And I think this is a very important point. In the case of the DPU, there is a paradigm shift. The infrastructure software, such as software-defined networking, software-defined storage, or security, is offloaded to the DPU ARM cores, which act as the fabric control plane, while the data plane is accelerated in hardware. My favorite example is bare metal. With SmartNIC, in order to accelerate the bare metal cloud functionality, the tenant must be aware of the underlying hardware to utilize it. So you need to install a driver uh, that is coming from the SmartNIC provider. While the bare metal provider, the provider can't really run any functionality or control the SmartNIC because it doesn't own the software on the server, right? It's a platform as a service. With DPUs, this all change. Now, the cloud provider can run its software inside the DPU and add better security by running firewall, as an example, or enable elastic storage through storage emulation. Ariel, that's a great explanation. And it's actually really interesting because when I work with a lot of customers in the field, 
this delineation of responsibility between enforcing security on bare metal specifically, whether you trust the application and server owner or the sysadmin to do it, or whether you need to enforce it from the network component is just such a common and consistent ask from all our private cloud running customers. So this is actually really interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. It gives the infrastructure provider this additional control point. Let's dive into a little more details about the hardware architecture of the DPU. Uh, we know that the DPU is a self-contained system. We've talked about the ARM cores, the packet processing ASIC. Um, I want to understand or give our listeners a little bit of visual on how all these components are interconnected, how they interact with the host, which is an important point because um, because that's the paradigm shift, right? When you're trying to deploy or add a DPU to an existing uh, system, you start thinking about provisioning differently, thinking about its connections to the host or how you consume the DPU from the host differently. Can you tell us how the DPU is designed in these aspects? Sure. It all starts with a great smartnik. Uh, in the Bluefield 2, as example, we build it on top of our Connectix 6DX smartniks. Uh, we are leveraging this award-winning technology to create, first of all, the connectivity through the programmable pipeline of the NIC. Now, the Connectix 6DX uh, can reach up to line rate of uh, 200 gigabit per second, and depending on the smartening that we choose as part of the DPU integration, we can reach higher speeds, of course, as we go forward. Now, the great thing about this, <clears throat> uh, about this integration is that from the server perspective, it's a smartening. It's still a smartening. It, it, it's a NIC with ports. But what we've added in order to create the DPU is an array of programmable ARM cores that can run any software for control plane and data processing, including soft, software which is offloaded, right? Software that, that eventually moved from the host to the smartening. But that's not everything, as we need to make sure we can quickly process as much as possible data, right? Data processing unit. We added additional accelerators that can handle different functions such as regular expression, pattern matching, and file compression. Now, to connect all of this goodness, we are using an embedded PCI switch. And here we get to another advantage. The DPU can expose itself to the host as different PCI functions, right? NIC is, is one, right? The smart NIC. But now the DPU can expose itself as Phoenix, right? Let's say you have different tenants and you want to give NIC per tenant. You got it. It's, it's possible. Let's say that you want to expose and have flexible NVMe drives, right? You, you can install an NVMe drive today on your server, but it will be limited once you want to replace it to kind of to a bigger drive, then you need to make changes in your server. But if I'm telling you that you create, uh, you can create an, a flexible NVMe drive, you got it as well. The DPU exposed itself through the PCIe switch as different functions. In the case of the storage from the server perspective, it looks as the real thing, but the DPU is actually representing a remote storage. It creates the link between the, the host uh, storage and the remote storage and orchestrate the data movement. And as you can think about it, as the DPU orchestrated the data movement, it can also do data processing of different sorts and adding functions such as encryption or compression. 
That's great. I mean, uh, I've always found this since I've recently learned about it, this technology is very interesting, how the way IO virtualization is provisioned from the DPU or how the DPU controls it and how the host can now just see the virtual functions, like you said, the storage virtual functions or the network virtual functions. And in that aspect, nothing changes from the host side, but you know, the DPU can be used as the IO virtualization control plane as well, which is very, very interesting. And like you mentioned, the uh, shadowing of the interfaces or connection to the DPU from the host. So, well, uh, to use the DPU, obviously we need the software and it's always interesting to understand more about how the DPU as its own system, what does it run? It, with respect to the host and so on. We know that it is uh, it has ARM cores and it has all these accelerators. Um, let's talk a little more on how an IT operator can start thinking about integrating a DPU in his or her infrastructure. First thing which I uh, learned when using a DPU was the various modes a DPU operates in. And that's important to understand because that's how that will lead you to uh, a better picture about how you can use the DPU. And um, it comes with a default OS and a programming environment. But before we dive into the details of programmability, let's uh, give our listeners a little more detail on what to expect when you plug in or when they plug in a DPU and power it on. Great questions. By the way, to me, you already sound like a super user of DPUs. So this is this is great. I always like to make it simple to understand. And I begin with looking at a DPU like a mini server. Uh, eventually a server in front of your server. And, and that's 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 the great thing. As any other server, you need bootloaders and an operating system. In our case, it's Linux. Once you receive your first DPU card, and isn't it exciting? <laughs> You'll see that we've pre-installed an Ubuntu server version. And now the card boots into the embedded mode, as you mentioned. And the idea that, that we have behind the embedded mode is the following. You want to use DPU because you care about the security of your system. And you're looking to control your software-defined network, as an example, from the DPU or security of the storage or uh, any type of security, but you want to control eventually what will happen in your cloud. In this case, the ARM control plane is the owner of the embedded switch and accelerators, meaning that any traffic to the host is eventually uh, being controlled by the software running on the ARM. And if that software is not allowing any traffic, then the host doesn't get any traffic. The host is just waiting on the site till it uh, a provisioning process will start. Now, depending on your boot configuration, eventually uh, you will block or allow traffic to your server. And in this way, the control is done by the DPU, which is an isolated function. And this is the future. This is the future of fabric virtualization. You separate your infrastructure from your business domain. And I think we are hearing more and more customers and partners talking about this exact separation, something that today kind of doesn't exist, right? You, you start with provisioning a server. You don't really ask yourself, do I trust that server? Now, from the host side, this is a smart NIC. So for existing customers that um, uh, this enabled them to deploy DPUs, 
without any change to the host side. They don't need to change the software because it's the same software that they had before for SmartNICs, but now they get new value from software that is running transparently on the ARM. Now, I want to say something that it's important to, to note um, uh, that the NIC ports and the SRV virtual functions are represented in the DPU uh, using representers. There's an entities that we've created and you need to configure them correctly in order to manage the hardware acceleration. Now, as of how to manage a DPU, ideally the DPU will be managed through an out-of-band channel uh, and a BMC because that's the right and secure way. You know, um, you want to make sure that the, you're only using trusted entities in your infrastructure and that trusted entity of tomorrow is the DPU. However, if you wish to manage the DPU from the server, it's also possible uh, and the DPU control, play, control plane can be accessed using dedicated interface we created called Arshim or via simple network-based SSH, and you can create your own other modes of work in order to communicate with the DPU because eventually you're leveraging uh, uh, you know, software uh, on the ARM and on your host. And once you got to this point, now is the time to set up your environment to start creating accelerated applications that will run on your ARM course. That's great. Uh, thanks for covering those details, Ariel. Yeah, the interface to the host, like Ariel mentions, there is the out-of-band out interface where you can go directly to the DPU through your management interface, or host, you can log into the DPU from the host as well through this connection called RSHIM. And it is at that point, uh, to if you want to think about it as a system inside a system, the DPU, when you're accessing a DPU from the host, it just looks like another virtual machine or something that is running on your host. For example, you can, uh, there is a console command where you can watch the DPU boot, you can SSH to it directly, and so on. Now let's get into the programmability aspects of the DPU, where something called Doka becomes interesting. It's a new platform uh, or it's a new runtime, and Ariel will explain what exactly it is. Um, it is, yeah, Ariel, I think you should just take over and explain what Doka is. With pleasure, with pleasure. Eventually, great hardware needs great software. I think we all agree about that. Now, with hundreds of SDKs and our 15 years journey with CUDA for GPUs, it was clear to us, and I kind of remember all of these discussions, that we really need to enable the ecosystem for DPUs. By the way, if you look on kind of the, the atmosphere around us, there is no ecosystem for DPUs. It's like new for everyone. And we view the entire data center as the new unit of computing, and that led to a new architecture. We call it data center infrastructure on a chip, and uh, we kind of shortened this to Doka. And in our view, Doka is for DPUs, same as CUDA for GPUs. Now, SDK is an important part of Doka. Nevertheless, Doka is a framework that comes to enable the transition to DPUs. For the developers, it brings an extensive SDK, which is consisted of many open source drivers, such as DPDK and SPDK, um, with DPU acceleration built in, and Doka libraries uh, that we created that bring higher level APIs and abstraction 
which usually are optimized for specific use cases. We, we found this valuable to the customers and partners because we want to accelerate their uh, development efforts. Now, uh, if you look at the admin or the uh, DevOps, they will find in Docker uh, the runtime pieces. Uh, eventually, the Docker runtime will bring all the needed drivers and libraries to extract the best capabilities of the DPU hardware. In addition, you, as part of the runtime, we have the Docker services, which are running on the ARM and enable to extend the functionality using dedicated edge agents, right, demons, that support different aspects like provisioning, orchestration, a distributed SDN, a security, and many more, right? The services is something that we believe that will evolve over time and will deliver more and more services coming from us and other services that our partners and ISVs will provide through uh, the NGC, the NVIDIA catalog. Now, uh, kind of going back uh, to the uh, Docker APIs and the SDK, it is very important to me to say that one of um, the great advantages in bringing those Docker APIs, though, unique Docker APIs is the fact that as NVIDIA, we also have taken the commitment for uh, backward and forward compatibility. We want to maintain the developer investment from generation to generation. So you are as a developer knows that you've developed some piece of software today on the DPU with the current generation. And we will not break this functionality once you move to the next generation. Actually, we will accelerate that functionality because the next generation will have uh, faster and faster networking data pipe and, and more accelerators. So if you look kind of on the on the on the kind of the global view of Doka, it is aimed to enable a community of developers that can use the DPU to create their most innovative creation. I view it as a one-stop shop for anything you need to use DPUs for. And we continue to explore with our partners how to expand Doka through many activities, including a hackathon, which we just had in EMEA. Uh, and it was very successful. We, we had uh, um, a few teams uh, all uh, uh, kind of virtualized, right? We, we still don't have a lot of face-to-face -face events. Uh, and we already plan to have the next hackathons in China and US. We, we want this thriving, thriving ecosystem of, of developers and partners to use the Doka, and we are uh, eventually learning from what they are asking us to support what we need to do as our next steps in Doka. Very nice. Yeah, and I agree about the hackathon. The hackathon, I had an um, opportunity to actually watch it from the sidelines, and it was amazing to see so many developers uh, developing on the DPU. So to summarize, uh, Doka is a set of libraries and uh, runtime and so on to make the DPU accessible for everybody and uh, possibly programming forwarding as well in a way, right? Exactly. They are use case uh, optimized with the goal of enabling an easy path to use acceleration. We view our customers as experts in the respective areas. We are, we are, you know, we are not seeing ourselves as the ones that will create the full stack. 
we are the tool makers and we bring those Docker libraries with built-in DPU acceleration so that the customers and partners can innovate and scale. And this is an important aspect. We want them to enable the performance, the best performance, uh, without the need in, in um, the need from their side to invest in learning how the hardware operates. I think one of the challenges that we kind of constantly hear is that uh, our partners and customers, uh, in, you know, it, we heard them also kind of referring that in other cases, kind of breaking their heads, you know, trying to understand how the hardware operates in order to create the most optimized software. With those libraries, we want to uh, enable all what we've learned, all the experience that eventually we, we have uh, with our customers to do that fine tuning, to do that optimization for our customers and let them focus on their expertise and the value they bring with their software. We will do the acceleration, they will bring the innovation. Great. And like most people know about Mellanon's drivers, I mean, they support DPDK, there's uh, support for SPDK for storage and eBPF XTP in the recent drivers, recent kernel versions and P4. So we know all these technologies work with uh, Mellanox, SmartNix or Nix in general on the host. So are they available on the DPU as well, Ariel? Yes, of course. Uh, DPDK is an extensive user mode library to enable faster packet processing. And, and we've integrated a lot of our acceleration capabilities into DPDK and are taking key, I would say, a key and very active part in, in supporting this community, including having a lead maintainer uh, as part of that effort. Now, we see DPDK as the lower level APIs to program the hardware for networking and security. SPDK is based on DPDK and brings APIs and programmability for storage. Now, the Docker libraries are written on top um, of DPDK to enable programmability at a higher level. Um, it's also more straightforward and doesn't require to learn how the hardware works. However, however, eventually we see a lot of value in exposing the lower level APIs. For example, for some customers, you know, they, they, they like the abstraction logic that we bring and still want the flexibility to add uh, um, more uh, capabilities and kind of do not rely just on what we deliver. And this is where they leverage the fact that those libraries are based on uh, a lot of open source uh, SDKs uh, that um, we accelerate. Now, P4 is a programming language, language for controlling packet forwarding plans in networking devices. And when using P4, you need to use a compiler that eventually translates the P4 pipe to leverage the DPU hardware programmable pipe. Now, in our view, P4 is yet another way to program the DPU, and we want to enable the different developers and help them leverage existing software investment with P4, right? If you have a P4 program, we want you to use that on the DPU. However, the same exact programmability and flexibility is offered through uh, DPDK. Great. And I'm assuming eBPF XDP, like I just said, will again, uh, people will be able to run them, their XDP programs on the Mellanox 5 NIC drivers on the ARM cores, just like they were running them on the host. Yes, same as any other software. And we are always looking for ways to leverage the programmable pipe to enable more acceleration, for example, classification of flows in hardware before they reach the kernel. 
Yes, definitely. I've seen a lot. Mellanox has been working a lot more for some things like XTP hints and so on to actually make uh, something like eBPF and XTP uh, more viable as well with Mellanox mix. Yeah, it, all the conversation so far has been at a really deep level of technical um, depth, right? And I, I love it because it really shows how much the industry for networking specifically is adapting and changing and evolving, right? Um, all these topics that were historically only talked about on the server, on the switch side and the networking side is slowly starting to make its way into the server side. And a lot of these talk about DBDK and SPDK and programmable pipelines, all this stuff used to be kind of common chat in the networking um, diaspora only. So it's really exciting to see it much more evolved in the server side and the two worlds kind of blending together. But when I think about this, right, um, you know, I'm not a traditional developer in many different ways. I'm much more of a, uh, my background is mostly network engineering, network architecture, right? So, you know, where I see it is that the industry has been talking about smart mix for a long time. But I think we're finally at a point where price and performance are aligning, right? So we can start seeing actual industry-wide adoption, even five years ago, when I used to talk about smart NICs with customers, they would always say, yeah, I'd like to do that, but I can't afford it, right? So can we talk a little bit about the few use cases for the DPU and the DOCA SDK in the actual real world? How are people going to use this, right? And uh, what is their you know, return on investment going to be? Yeah, first of all, I agree that there's a change happening, right? I also remember such discussing, uh, you know, a few years back and things are changing. And and I believe it's more than price and performance. COVID-19, as example, accelerated a lot of processes, uh, but I think it mainly created a very disaggregated cloud, right? Homes became studios. People are no longer working from the security perimeter of the company, HQ, uh, and many of the assumptions of the past are broken. With this, we need eventually to reinvent the data center. For example, we can no longer protect it by putting a firewall at the perimeter entrance because the cloud native brings microservices and multi-tenancy. In case of an attack, it can easily infiltrate the servers and spread without being identified. You know, some, some claims in the cyber industry is that even to identify the attack, uh, takes like five months or more. So uh, as an example, we want to protect our own gaming cloud in NVIDIA from being misused. Uh, and before using DPUs, the infrastructure um, um, and the gaming seats are eventually part of the same physical service, right? You have the server running everything, infrastructure, gaming seats, etc. cetera, uh, very intensive, right? We have uh, a lot of people in the waiting lists. And while, the DPU allows us eventually to isolate and protect the infrastructure running all of the security and uh, SDN, the, the software-defined networking. Uh, and again, there's a complex, uh, a complex architecture uh, for, for, those, uh, for, for our gaming, running all of that from the DPU. Um, as part of the first release of Doka, we've added a few great examples on how to use DPUs, and I invite everyone to apply to Doka LA Access and, and try it out. Now, one of my favorite examples is East-West encryption. And if you look into the new executive order uh, on improving the nation's cybersecurity issued by the U.S. administration uh, a month ago, 
you can see that the US agency, uh, agencies need to start deploy data protection using encryption to better enforce privacy and security. Now, the great thing about it is that with DPUs, you can deploy east-west encryption with transparent IPsec in a way that the DPU will handle the encryption. Um, uh, the control uh, and key management is running on the ARM, on the control plane, while from server perspective, nothing has changed. The traffic goes out. The DPU hardware get that traffic encrypted over the wire in wire speed. And when the, the, when the traffic eventually received, it's already uh, um, kind of on the, on the other side. It's already decrypted uh, by the DPU. Uh, and, and the best thing is that we've, we've added a DPU to an existing deployment and got that new functionality. And we didn't need to change any speed, any, sorry, any part of the software or uh, uh, um, do um, any, any kind of uh, load, new load on the CPUs of the server. It's now all being managed in the DPU. We keep the wire speed, we didn't impact that, and there's no uh, extra utilization or, or installation on the host itself. And this is exactly uh, that, that great thing that we, we get uh, with, with DPUs, the, that's transparent everything uh, in, in, in existing deployments. Yeah, and I, that's the part that I think um, really hits home, and I think that it's easy to gloss over, right? Um, really summarizing where we've, when we started this conversation, we tried to talk about the differentiation between a smart NIC and a DPU, and why do we believe that a DPU is going to be more prevalent going forward? And I think it really comes down to that ARM CPU core on the box, right? And you said it earlier on, Ariel, you said it's a server in front of a server. And what I think that really enables is a whole new host of applications and traffic flows that historically were never capable, right? And you just described it. Now you can do completely transparent to the actual server and application owner, a fully compliant uh, enforcement of, say, security policy in this example, right, and really enable it to uh, have full line rate encryption in this example without any demand or load on the actual bare metal server or application CPU resources or any other peripheral resources that may exist, right, because everything is self-contained within the DPU. I think this is going to open up a new market for solutions that we may not even have thought of yet, right? Because now, historically, those things had to live on, say, top of rack switches in a data center environment, which had, you know, limited CPU functionality, and you had to really size the ASICs properly. And I think the DPU now distributes that intelligence, so you don't have to have a, you know, a centralized point on your top of rack to do any of that. You can do it server by server, application by application, tenant by tenant, right? And all those things give a much more granular capability for a lot of this functionality. Absolutely. I think the isolation of infrastructure services from the application or tenant space is something key that the DPU brings to the table. Thanks a lot, Ariel, for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Kernel of Truth. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so you're notified when the next episode is posted.